0: to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every week we talk about the news of the past seven days, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity which is the American cultural and political landscape. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. We are heard on 23 different radio stations, almost all in major markets across this formerly great nation of ours, and you can find out each and every one of them at that website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. Good evening to you, Leah Brandon. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. We're hot here, and not in a sexy way—the other way, like the miserable hot. <laughs>
0: well, it's late June in Birmingham, Alabama, for you. Oh, uh, yes. I hate to rub it in, but here in Southern California, I think we topped out at like uh, 78 degrees where I live today. So
1: it was well, uh, quite, fine. quite
0: nice and comfortable. But um, I fine. hope you, I hope you will able. To, actually, you should look at it the, on the bright side, Leah. That you, you know, for the next. We don't three have hours, a bunch
1: of illegals here, and you know, we well, we do so have. That's, Our a,
0: positives. that's another whole story. <laughs> we
1: all yeah. speak the same language.
0: I, I, I was looking at it from the standpoint of the next three hours. You're in an air-conditioned studio, so correct. Y- you could be in worse shape, uh, at least uh, for this evening, there in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, this has been a horrible, horrible news year, yes, uh, in so many different ways. And you know, last week I, I started by even uh, condemning what a horrible U.S. Open golf tournament it was, because <laughs> and not for any of the reasons the news media pretended that it was was when Dustin Johnson won the U.S. Open in a controversial manner. Of course, as always, the sports media blew it 180 degrees. Uh, but I was very disappointed because I, I despised Dustin Johnson. And so, you know, even, even what should be happy times for me, the four majors of the year as a golfer, uh, have turned out at least so far this year to be incredibly disappointing. Jordan Spieth blows the Masters. Dustin Johnson wins the U.S. Open. Well, there was a story in golf today that, regardless of whether you're a sports fan or golf fan, whatever, you should feel should warm your heart at least a little bit. And so I want right. to start. I want to start with that today,
1: good, because I think you need, need a good story like this. This
0: is a good story. This, in fact, this is as good a story as we're likely to get in 2016. Right. So uh, there's a golfer by the name of Billy Hurley III, who I've always liked because. One, unlike you know, these young kids today, doesn't hit the ball 350 yards. He's actually a normal human being. He's also a graduate of the Naval Academy, which is highly unusual, if not unprecedented, on the PGA Tour. Because that means you've got to give up five years of your prime career to, to go serve the Navy after you graduate from Annapolis, which okay. he, which he did. Now, a year ago, at the tournament that was played just outside of D.C., that's hosted by Tiger Woods, that is intended and does benefit the military. That's the entire purpose of the tournament. Tiger created it at the time when he created it. I thought this was a great vehicle for his political career. Well, we know what happened to that uh, because of his <laughs> female <laughs> problems, but that's another story for another day. So, so a year ago at this tournament, Billy Hurley is scheduled to play, and his father goes missing. And, oh. and, he, and he, they put out an all-points bulletin for his dad. And, uh, and they actually do find him. It's, national, it's a national story. They find his dad actually checking the scores on a computer in a library for his son. Now, his, da- his dad clearly was a little bit out of it and maybe more than a little bit depressed. And so, obviously, this was a gut-wrenching situation for the family. So they find his dad, and then a couple weeks later, his dad kills himself. Oh, wow. And obviously this turns Billy Hurley's life and career into a, into a tailspin. Uh, he drops off the PGA Tour. He falls to below 600th in the world in the golf rankings. And he's not having a – in fact, he really has almost no legitimate status on the PGA Tour this year. And once you get off the PGA Tour, it's incredibly difficult to get back. Get you back have to on, do something yeah. remarkable to get back. It's that competitive in the post-Tiger Woods era. So – this a year comes back, and Tiger Woods, if not directly, at least indirectly, offers Billy Hurley a special exemption to get into the same tournament this year. The one that Is that benefits, right? The, the, which benefits the military. It's just outside of D.C. It's not far from Annapolis. It's not far from where Billy Hurley grew up. It's basically his hometown. So he, he's granted a special exemption to play in the tournament. And what happens? But Billy Hurley... <laughs> For the first time in his career, at the age of 34 years old, wins the entire
1: tournament. That's incredible.
0: It's off the charts, incredible. If you know <laughs> anything about golf, because he's not—he's had a horrible year, as I said—he's—he's he's got very almost no status, and, and he's playing under a, a pressure. Forget about the family aspect of it and the, the emotions of that, which were evident once he won. I mean, his whole family was in tears. The mom, the wife, the kids. I mean, it was just amazing. But from a golf perspective, what people don't understand is he had so much more pressure on him than anybody else. Because if he had faltered in the final round today, he would have still won a lot of money. But it wouldn't have put him back on the tour, and it wouldn't have changed his life. And he could have, he would have still been in a very precarious position in his career moving forward. His career is now set. He now has a career for at least the next two and a half years.
1: That's incredible.
0: Um, And and, and almost certainly, I mean, almost certainly based upon what we know about him, he's set for life. This will mean millions of dollars for him. And more importantly, I mean, to do it in his hometown – a week to the day almost, that his, his dad is missing and gets found under, you know, very, very difficult circumstances. It made me feel like, wow, you know, maybe, just maybe, sometimes... There is a God? No, no, no. let's <laughs> not go that far. <laughs> I knew you would let, let, Let's not go that far.
2: So you're telling me there's a
0: chance. No, there's well, a chance, well, a good one. Maybe there's a chance. That's, what, that's as far as I'll go, but at least... Sometimes good things still happen to to people that deserve them. It doesn't happen often. It seems like up and down, da- up is down, down is up, good is bad, bad is good. But at least in this particular circumstance, uh, something good happened to a guy who really deserved it. And it was, the, I have to say. You know, since Tiger Woods passed away, I've never um, <laughs> I've never rooted this hard for a golfer. I mean, it's been a long time I mean, ever since he died in 2009. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. He didn't actually die. It just seemed like he died. Um, but, you know, you get the point. I haven't. It was this. nice
1: that Tiger let him play. That was really Nice.
0: Yeah, um, well, I think Tiger felt it was probably good for his image in the tournament. It certainly worked well, out for everybody. Um, I don't know why Tiger did it, but, yeah, it turned out to be a great thing. And so so in one week, I've been gone from being completely despondent about what happened in the golf world to about as euphoric as John Ziegler gets. In fact, when he made the climactic chip in to, to seal it, I think I scared the crap out of our cats from the scream that I yelled <laughs> out because I was all alone. I'm like, ah, I do that
1: during horse racing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can see that. I can totally see that. So anyway, we'll start off with a good story. And then for the next two and a half, uh, maybe two hours and 45 minutes, we'll talk about uh, all the crap that's been going on in the world. And there's plenty of that to discuss. We'll get to all of it when we return on this edition of the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John Ziegler, my co-host, is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. This program is heard on 23 different radio stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. And this is where we take a look at the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives. We will do both uh, during this particular show. There have been numerous crazy events in my life this week, including... Uh, me having to go back to Pennsylvania to face a preliminary hearing on the most bogus charges in the
2: history <laughs> of the
0: state. Uh, I will tell you that story uh, probably in hour number three, maybe a little bit sooner than that. We'll see. Uh, and how it intertwines with my uh, quest to get my uh, wife pregnant. The, the two stories are— Yeah, that's are...
1: an interesting story. Yes. You and your super sperm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am sensing you'd rather talk about that stuff first but we're going we're going to go with the news of the week first yeah. which the big big story obviously uh, internationally and and obviously also with regard to the presidential election in this country was the vote in Great Britain to exit nice. the European U- European Union a vote that surprised a lot of people although I don't think which it Which is really-
1: stunning that it was surprising to anyone who yeah. was paying attention.
0: Right we we'll get to that <laughs> but first tell us the details of, of what actually happened. later.
1: Yes, so a referendum was held Thursday to decide whether the UK should leave or remain in the European Union. Leave won by 52 to 48 percent. Turnout for the vote was the highest since the 92 general election. In fact, 72 percent turned out. Now, Prime Minister David Cameron pushed hard to remain.
0: The British people have made a very clear decision to take a different path. And as such, I think the country requires leadership to take it in this direction.
1: Yes, well, Wales voted to leave by 52.5%. Uh, Northern Ireland and Scott both backed staying in the EU. So, coincidentally, with bagpipes by his side, Donald Trump was in Scotland at the opening of his Turnberry golf course at the same time that David Cameron was addressing the vote in England. Trump had an
2: interesting person to blame
1: for the Remain
2: vote losing. He got involved. I don't know if that was through a friendship with David Cameron. It could have been, and I understand friendship, and I can understand why he did it. I can understand that, but I think it's something he shouldn't have done. It's not his country. It's not his part of the world. He shouldn't have done it, and I actually think that his recommendation perhaps caused it to fail.
1: And that's Obama he's talking about. Now, the problem is <laughs> both Scotland and Northern Ireland back staying in the eu Uh, scotland by 62 percent 56 percent northern ireland both countries now looking to pull out of the uk to stay in the eu now the news of the uk of the uk pulling out sent the global stock markets into a downward spiral and by the way it's not looking any better today
0: all right by the way first of all let me correct something i said i referred to this as great britain although great britain's vote really was the reason why it failed, Uh, you're right. This is the United Kingdom that is voting uh, to go out of the European Union. And we're going to get to Donald Trump's bizarro world (laughs) involvement in this uh, in the next segment. But first of all, let's talk about What actually happened here and let's start with whether or not it was a surprise because you you nailed it leah the idea the only real surprise here that anyone was anyone was that surprised Uh, what what really happened is this and i remember because i was on my way to pennsylvania for that preliminary hearing so i wasn't that tuned in but i remember thinking and i wish i had acted on it like you know selling some stocks because i remember thinking as I was reading the stories, well, it looks like uh, remains going to win. And I'm looking at the polling data. I'm like, what? why (laughs) is everybody so sure remains going to win? I mean, the the, the polls are not saying that. In fact, the result was a hundred percent consistent. With the last polls, which showed Remain barely pulling ahead, but well within the margin of error and in contradiction of other recent polls that had Leave winning. And I think what happened here, and this happens all the time with regard to the elites and the media, conventional wisdom, this is why they're wrong so often. All the time. because what
1: they they want they try to put ahead.
0: (laughs) And they live in a bubble. They live in a bubble where everybody they know agrees with the same thing they think. So yeah. they they so they looked at the polls and they go, "Oh, Remain has nudged ahead. So rationality is going to win. That's the side that should win. Obviously, that's the side that has the momentum." Both sides were well below 50%, which meant there was a lot of undecideds out there, and it's that's clear right. that the undecideds went for Leave, not by a lot, but just by a little bit, and that's all that it took for for Leave to end up Winning here. And so I, I that's the first element I think is important, by the way, that, that relates to our presidential election, because I'm hearing a lot of Trump fans saying, see, see, you can't believe the polls. Just because Trump's behind doesn't mean he's going to lose. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold <laughs> Hold on to your pants. It is a completely different situation. There is nothing inconsistent about this result with those actual polls. It was simply a poor interpretation of those polls that led to this misperception by the elites and by the media that Remain was going to win. Now, was the, was the vote smart? Was it dumb? What caused it? Look, I don't pretend to be an expert on this. But what I found to be very interesting is, and this is contrary to I think public perception, is that it was the old people who voted to leave. The young. That's people, weird. That the, well, it's not that. At first, I agreed with you. Oh I
1: wait, thought, wait, wait! The old people voted to leave. Yes. Oh, that makes sense to me. Okay. They want their country back.
0: All right, but the young people overwhelmingly voted to remain because
1: they're a bunch of socialists and they I, don't know what's going on. Well,
0: but but see. You're agreeing with the leave, and you know most most rational people seem to think that, from an economic standpoint, at least in the short run, that Remain made like a lot more sense. Certainly, David Cameron no. would agree with that. But look, here, here's the bottom line, though. I don't know what the right decision is. I don't think anybody really knows what the right decision is. I can see both sides of this, but what it feels like, because the old people decided that they wanted to vote to leave, vote to leave, is the notion that somehow we can go back in time. To a time yes. when, that we feel like now was better. So yes. you're making decisions not based upon where you are, but where you used to be and where you would like to be. That's not the way you make decisions in life. Yeah, what? we We would all, believe me, there's a lot. I would love to go back to 1984 in this country with Ronald Reagan as president and a whole lot of other things and a heck of a lot more sensical world than what we live in now. But you can't make decisions that way. The world is different than it was then. It's never going to be the same again. Well, more on this when we come back on The John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Beginning this weekly edition of the John and Leah show with the aftermath of the decision... By the United Kingdom to vote to leave the European Union and Leah before we move on to other elements of this and there are many different aspects of this that I find uh, very interesting including the impact on our own presidential race. I want to make sure that uh, people understand this concept of making decisions based upon where you are not where you wish you were or where you might have been a while ago, because I think that's the mistake here. I think that older people in the United Kingdom thought well things were better. Before we entered the European Union, which, by the way, might be accurate. That might be very accurate. But what they're not understanding is what I would refer to as the transition costs to going back to the way you were. Uh, The best analogy I can think of is a divorce. Right. Div- divorce. Look, if you cannot possibly live with your spouse and it's just horrible and, you know, you just on a day to day basis, you can't endure it. Then, OK, maybe you have to make it. You have to go through a divorce. But a divorce is an incredibly painful process that usually leaves both parties in worse shape because of what I i have referred to as the transition costs. We've already seen the transition costs in one day. The global stock markets tank losing about $2 trillion, if not more, in capital. So- well,
1: it's because of uncertainty, and if they do it quickly, uh, that'll steady up. Look, the markets anymore, there's a hiccup, and the markets go nuts. Right. So I think it's definitely in their best interest to get out. Look at what's happening to the EU. Look at all—look at Greece. The England can get out and be better by themselves— and have their own government then be, um, you know, there's so many regulations coming from Brussels. These people are not held accountable.
0: Get out. I agree with you, except you got to also under, this doesn't happen in a vacuum, all right? So what does this mean? There's a very good chance that this could create a domino effect where Europe collapses. And so if that happens, then Great Britain, United Kingdom, are going to suffer in the long run because they're inextricably, they're inextricably they're, they're linked, they're tied economically to Europe. So, look, we don't know for sure what's going to happen. I understand why you look at it and go, well, you know, especially from an immigration standpoint and, yes. and all that, because I know that's your major issue, that this makes sense for Great Britain. I just think that there are unintended consequences of this that could end up being, if not catastrophic, extremely painful in the long run. You know what? You might be it's right. Better. Yeah, maybe. In the, in the
1: short run, it's going to be rocky. Okay.
0: Well, that's an understatement. And we don't know for sure how the markets are going to react this week. I, I actually think, in the United States, this is going to be a fair. My gut tells me it's going to be a fairly short, rocky period because there's some positive potential aspects uh, to the United States uh, to this. But again, no one seems to know for sure. Uh, but, but here, let's let's transition. To the political aspect of this. And obviously, through a, a very weird quirk in the scheduling, Donald Trump. it's magic. <laughs> right, well, you know. With
2: me, it just works. You know, it's magic. Uh,
0: yeah, the Donald Trump magic was, was perfectly in, on display because he just happened to be in Scotland to open up or reopen his historic classic golf course, Turnberry, which is another whole element of this whole thing. And frankly, I would have talked about Turnberry for quite a while just on its own, but that's now a subplot to what happened because of the fact that the UK, including Scotland, had voted, although as one, to pull out of the European Union. Interestingly, Scotland did not vote to pull out of the European Union, and that's the first what? element of the Trump uh, part of this that yeah Trump sanity. Yeah, so let's let's review let's review what Donald Trump did and it, it, you know I realize that Trump has rewritten all the rules. but I truly believe that in a, a rational world and a normal campaign, the the following things I'm about to tell you would have completely disqualified him of ever being forget about President of the United States ever being the Republican nominee for President of the United States, because let's go through them. And none of them are going to seem cataclysmic or catastrophic on their own. But when you add them up, any other any other previous campaign would have been ended immediately. The first thing is he gets off the plane and mm. he tweets immediately. That he needs to
1: stay away from Twitter going to be his undoing. Well,
0: it's obvious that he tweeted without talking to anybody, without any, without any... Any advisors? Nobody. It's just him and his phone. And he tweets, just landed in Scotland. And the people here are going crazy. They voted to take their country back. This Uh, is fantastic. Except there's two major problems with that. Number one, as I've already alluded to, Scotland did not vote to leave the European Union. They voted overwhelmingly to stay. Also, related to that, they didn't take their country back because. They don't even consider themselves, many of those people, part of the United Kingdom. In fact, there's a very good chance that this whole leaving the European Union is going to cause Scotland to break away from the UK. So so they're going to do their own independence, which they've tried to do in the past and weren't able to pass it. The other element of this, which is mind-blowing, is not just the recklessness of tweeting this inaccurately as soon as you get off the plane without talking to any advisors this is scotland i'm referring to scotland is trump's foreign wheelhouse he knows that's right he knows scotland way better than he knows any other country in the world because he's been spending an enormous amount of time in the last seven or eight years in scotland on both turnberry and his other golf course there which is it, which has created Amberdeen, which has created an enormous controversy there. He, he went through, you know, had to move heaven and earth to get them to allow him to build what is apparently a spectacular golf course there in Scotland, which is losing him millions of dollars, although in one form he's claiming he's making millions, in another form he's claiming he's losing millions. It seems like he's losing a lot of money on this whole project. He lied about what that project would bring to Scotland. The people there hate his guts. And (laughs) so so my point here is this. If he's able to make such an incredibly obvious rookie mistake needlessly – On Scotland, how bad is it going to get, for instance, when there's a debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump one-on-one, and you know that who's ever hosting the debate is going to pin him to the wall on his knowledge of countries he hasn't been visiting for the last several years and has major businesses in? Do you see what I'm saying, Leah? How bad is that going to get? How bad is that going to get? Yeah. I it, it,
1: Twitter needs to be taken away from him. He needs to not be able to tweet anymore. It's his undoing.
0: All right. So so he starts off with this inaccurate tweet that indicates to me he doesn't have a clue about what the hell's going on. Not a clue. And then it gets worse. So he's holding a press conference. At Turnberry. Now, it's important to point out what Turnberry is. Turnberry is one of the most historic golf courses in Scotland, which has a lot of historic golf courses It's basically
1: a huge. That's all it is. It's basically
0: a huge. (laughs) Right. Right. Alcohol and golf is basically the entire Scottish and maybe some haggis, the entire Scottish (laughs) economy. So, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but that's. You know, that's what no Scotland that's is it. known for. Scotland is known for golf, and Turnberry is one of their top golf courses. You know, For golf fans, that's where Tom Watson and Jack Nicklaus had their duel in the sun back in 1977. Uh, Watson almost won there a couple of years, several years ago at the age of 59. Anyway, he's refurbishing the golf course. Something which, by the way, I was thinking about this. I'm thinking, this is how little trust I have of our Republican presidential nominee. I'm thinking, you know... I actually have reservations about him being in charge of Turnberry. <laughs> how, how can I possibly get behind him being president of the frickin' United States? But, you know, he's done some pretty decent work on his golf courses. I'll give him that. He, I like what he did with Doral, although a lot of people don't. Uh, and apparently he's done a nice job with Turnberry. So he's got this amazing opportunity— <laughs> To take advantage of the fact that he happens to be in Scotland. He's getting on the day, (laughs) on the very day, the day, the day after the morning after this historic vote. And he's got this beautiful backdrop. He's there. This is this is basically like if in 2008, Barack Obama, who, um, you know, was very much against the Iraq war, happened to be in Baghdad. You know when when the Iraqi government falls, right? I mean, but it's a, it's about a, as good yes. analogy analogy as you could get. So that's how fortuitous this was theoretically for and he Trump. He was
1: wearing a Make America Great hat.
0: Right. Well, he's Make, make America Great hat, <laughs> and it's also in impor- Scotland. <laughs> right. Well, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> but it's also important to point out, and I didn't know this at the time, and I don't know if it was public at the time, but Donald Trump had previously written a column for CNN trumpeting the European Union, globalization, saying how uh, it, how important it is that uh, you know the European Union succeed and that borders don't really matter. I'm paraphrasing. It's a pretty good analysis of what Trump wrote. By the way, this wasn't 10 years ago. This is 2013, Trump wrote this. So he's on record, not not in a quote, in an article he proactively wrote for CNN. He's on record being in favor of the European Union and globalization and the elimination of borders. And then all of a sudden, he gets up there And everything is completely different because we're living in Trump world, Trump sanity, where what you said this morning doesn't impact what you say this afternoon. So 2013 is, you know, might as well be, uh, you know, 1932. Uh, When we come back, you're not going to want to miss these clips of what Donald Trump decided to use this great opportunity to do while in Scotland the day after this historic vote. We'll get to it on The John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And so the U.K. votes to uh, exit the European Union. The world is in chaos. The the markets are collapsing. Donald Trump happens to be in Scotland at the reopening of his golf course at uh, Turnberry. And let's not forget that just a couple of years ago, he wrote a column for CNN saying that the European Union is integral and great and borders don't matter and globalization is good. Of course, now he's a totally different person because he's running for president. And frankly, Leah, it reminds me of the, the famous line from the movie Life of Brian. He's making it up as he goes and not. That's basically what we've got now with Donald Trump. It's just, you know, whatever happens on that particular moment, whatever pops into his head. He's making it up as he goes. And so he gets this great opportunity, international, live coverage of his press conference at Turnberry. And listen carefully to how, when he opens his remarks, how he phrases the historical significance of his presence at Turnberry in comparison to the voting
2: of the UK to leave the European Union. This is an amazing Honor. It's an amazing day, very historic day for a lot of reasons. Not only Turnberry, this was one of the big votes in the history of Europe and Scotland and everywhere. Uh, it was very exciting coming in and we were landing and we had just heard the results. So I wish everybody a lot of luck. I think that it's uh, purely historic, and what's happening is uh, historic.
0: All right. Now, so you're saying it's historic. Uh, now, now, Leah, there's two things there I, I hope you're going to agree with me on. The first is the delusional, egomaniacal fashion in which he compares the reopening of Turnberry to the Brexit vote with regard to historical significance. Are you with me on that?
1: Well, it is historic. <laughs>
0: I think we got that from his statement. It's It's very historic. historic. The second part of this that I found fascinating and hilarious is, does that not sound like the answer that a sixth grader who did not give their homework gives when called upon by the teacher needing to fill 30 or 45 seconds to pretend (laughs) like they answered a question in class? Does that not sound like that?
1: You know, it's almost like the beauty pageant girl where she was like, she couldn't figure out where the maps, um, they don't have maps such as, and such as, um, it's almost like that.
0: <laughs> I like, your, your analogy might be better than mine. Regardless, <laughs> he clearly has no idea. And by the way, that is all he talked about the vote for his entire presentation before he took questions. What you just heard there, 24 seconds, which by the way included comparing the reopening of Turnberry historically to the vote to leave the European Union. That 24 seconds was it. He spends the rest of his opening remarks literally talking about how fantastic turnberry is how he's added sweets to the lighthouse oh yes oh yes
1: there was a, a long discussion about a fountain <laughs>
0: <laughs> he did everything except give pricing and a discount code. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for that. You know, if, if you call now, call this special number. We got a special rate on key times and you know housing at Turnberry in our new hotel. It, it was it was unbelievable. It was one okay. Of those- now I
1: do want to say something about what he said about the EU in 2013. Okay, because, go because okay in in 2013. It seemed like a good idea. It's sort of like the United States, where we don't have borders between the state. We just go wherever we want to go, and it seemed like a good idea. Um, but now, with the massive refugees uh, mm. that are just choking the entire country and how the government has become so bloated, I think— I can give him a pass on you that You are
0: one. giving him a, a lot of benefit of the doubt because this is his M.O., Leah. If, it, if this was the only thing he's ever done this on, I'd Well, go, then oh. he's
1: lucky that it all went downhill
0: <laughs> Well,
1: between <laughs> 2013 see, my, my and now. Point is,
0: my point is not that he's a flip-flopper so much, although technically he is. My point is he has no... Soul. He has no clue. He has no beliefs. He has no principles. We have no idea what he really believes in. None. Zero. And that's what scares me about him more than almost anything else. If I knew for sure something that he believed in, by the way, he's already... Just in the last day, he's completely backed away, from, which I think is good, but it's still you know, important to point out that he's backed away from his plan to ban Muslims. He's backed away from mass deportations. That oh. was all bullcrap designed yep. just to get attention and votes during a primary. It was never no going to happen. No never.
1: wall. There's never going to be a wall.
0: Well, I, I agree with you, although he will never say that because that's too integral. I think, you know, I think even some of the Trumpsters out there might start to abandon him if he admitted there's not going to be a wall, but there won't be. There will not nope. be a wall. It's all bullcrap. It's all bullcrap. And, and now that he doesn't need that bullcrap anymore, he's actually starting to admit it. But let's go back to, to the to the Turnberry speech, because this was this was so jaw-dropping that many media outlets dropped out of the The live coverage, which they never do for Trump. I mean, you never drop live coverage of Trump, but they were so disgusted. So they were so dumbfounded by it. It
1: was a commercial.
0: It was absolutely a commercial for Trump Trump Turnberry uh, when this was, as he mentioned many times, a historic event that he had no clue about and could therefore not talk about. He was asked about it, however. And this... You know, we already, we've gotten two strikes, his tweet about Scotland, his opening remarks that, that are clueless and, and completely disjointed and, and show a delusion about the importance of the historical impact of Turnberry's reopening in comparison to the European Union vote. Well, here's strike number three, because when asked about the impact of the vote, what's the first thing he thinks about? He thinks about Donald Trump and whether or not this is good for his bank account. Listen to this.
2: You know, when the pound goes down, more people are coming to Turnberry, frankly, and the pound has gone down. And uh, let's see what the impact of that has. But I think places like Scotland and England and different places in Great Britain, I think you're going to see a lot of, lot of activity. Uh, uh, the pound got high, and people weren't able to do maybe what they wanted to do, but for traveling and for other things, uh, you know, I think it could very well turn out to be a positive. Nobody really knows. You'll know in about five years you'll be able to – analyze it, and maybe it'll take even longer than that. But what is known is that they've uh, taken back their independence, and that's a very, very important thing.
0: All right. Now, to be fair, and I try to be very objective about Donald Trump, even though, clearly, I no longer like the guy, and I and I think it's a dis- dis- disaster, a disaster that he's the Republican nominee, and I've said a million times he's going to lose to Hillary, and I'm as certain of that as I've ever been. The substance of that answer, other than the part about referencing Turnberry, I don't have a problem with. He's probably right in everything he said there. He might even be right about it being good for Turnberry. Here's the problem. You don't say that. Right. As, as the Republican presidential nominee, Leah, you don't say that when you're in a foreign land at such right. a, a huge moment, and the o- the first thing you Only think thing about— Only thing
1: you're concerned about is your golf
0: course. Right. Whether or not—yeah, look, this is going to be good for Trump Turnberry, so therefore <laughs> this is a good thing. And it, it's, it's representative and emblematic of how he views everything. Everything is through the prism of, is this good for Donald Trump? And that's why when Putin says nice things about Donald Trump, all of a sudden, Putin is a good guy. Because that's the way Trump looks at the world. It's all about him. He's a megalomaniac. And that's not who you want to be president, folks. Even if Hillary is the worst in the world, which she's actually second in the world as far as that's concerned. More on this when we come back on The John and Leah Show.